And so listen, this week, as I shared with you, my wife and I, we were on a juicing cleanse, fast, you know, detox, and we're just preparing for what God has for us. See, we're not waiting until 2020 to start making some cute goals and all of that. We're like, we want to prepare in advance. We want to prepare and brace ourselves. We want to finish this year strong. As we get ready, oh man, I can't wait to release the word that God even showed me through prayer and fasting over our house for 2020. Cannot wait. In fact, look at your neighbor, tell him, plan to be here on New Year's Eve. Come on, come on. Plan to be here on. We're about to have the dopest party here on New Year's Eve. I'm just letting the cat out the bag a little early. So save the date and make sure that you are here. It's going to be dope. Uh, but anyways, I'm excited to be able to share with you guys what God has put over our house. But, you know, this week, man, during this time, I was a little agitated. And, you know, as I shared, and there's some times when I, you know, when I slipped up and, and got upset a little too quickly. Uh, and I know I'm not the only imperfect person in here. And, you know, as we, I was preparing for last night, there are schedules and stuff that we have. You know, if you look at my phone, I won't show you. But if you look through, you'll see my schedule. It's all color coded. Every single, see, every single minute has something that is assigned to it, even if it's free time. Because how many of you know that I'm not going out? We're, we can't just go through life winging it with our time. Amen. And a lot of us, the reason why we're not productive is because we don't have a schedule. And because we don't prepare and we don't plan. And the Bible is clear that that is not a good idea. And so anyways, I had a plan and I was preparing to go to bed. I got all my stuff together, my clothes and all that ready and all of this. And suddenly out of nowhere, my, I hear, daddy. And I'm like, oh boy, okay, let's go see what's going on. I put my daughter to bed a few hours ago, went, checked on her and she's crying. I'm like, baby, what are you crying for? Daddy. Daddy, and she just starts saying daddy and she wants me to pick her up and she wants me to hold her and there's stuff coming out her eye and I realized what was going on in the moment and it just was not that good of a scenario but how many of you know that sometimes even when you have plans that there are things that will pop up that will interrupt what it is that you have planned on doing and the fact of the matter is that in that moment as I was getting ready to go to bed you know, I was already like shutting down in my body. That daddy was a moment that reminded me, that God reminded me that even as I have a schedule, and even as I have plans, come on somebody, and even as I am walking towards, even getting ready to serve you guys, that there is someone and there are people that are even more important than my assignment here at Serve City. And he reminded me in that moment that as Paul declares in 1 Timothy, he makes it clear that I can't even rule. If I can't take care of my house well, then how am I supposed to take care of the church well? And trust me, I'm not finna sacrifice my family on the altar of ministry. That's another sermon, but I'm just going to put it out there that I have learned. And in this moment, it was a quick reminder. Yeah, Pastor Andrew, you got your plans and yeah, you got your stuff. But every now and again, God will cause stuff to pop out, pop up. And the purpose, it's purposeful. Somebody say it's purposeful. There's a reason why he does. And in that case, as with what I just shared with you, it was for the purpose of being able to remind me about my, the thing that was most important, which was my family in that moment. And so, you know, here in the passage, we find that the Apostle Paul, you're wondering why is it that I'm bringing this up? The Apostle Paul makes it clear, and I want to read here, if you will, Bible says from verse 13 of, of Galatians chapter 1, 
and it will be on the screens for you, says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing. Everybody say advancing. I was advancing, he says, in the, I was advancing beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. So look at this. Here's Paul's testimony. I shared with you guys, uh, I believe it was last week, we looked at Acts chapter 9. And the apostle Paul is literally a persecutor of those who he is now a part of. He was, he was a persecutor of Christians. Paul, or Saul, known as Saul, used to go and capture people who were worshiping Jesus and who were serving Jesus and bring them into a place of bondage. Many of them, he brought them not just to prison, but he also brought people like Stephen to be murdered. And so the apostle Paul, on his way to do this yet another time, the Bible makes it clear in Acts chapter 9. I told you if you have not read it, go check out his story so you understand where he's coming from. As he's on his way to do yet another, uh, to put somebody else in bondage, the, the Lord appears to him and knocks him off of his horse. And in that moment, reveals himself to him. This is why he's saying, when it pleased the Lord to reveal himself to me, he came and God reveals himself to him in this moment. And Paul has a life-changing encounter with Jesus. Not only does he get saved, but he gets called as an apostle. And he also receives his specific assignment, which is to be an apostle specifically and especially rather to the Gentiles, who were people who were not of Jewish descent. Are you still with me? Now watch this. I want you to understand why this is important. It's because Paul was not failing in Judaism. Here it is, here it is, here it is. It says that he was excelling. Am I making it up? The Bible makes it clear that he was advancing in Judaism. You know, so, so the thing is, what you need to understand is that Paul, it's easier when people have an encounter or receive a revelation from God when they're in a mess. Because sometimes when you're in a mess, you are ready for things to turn around. You're in position. You're like, if your money is funny and God shows up and says, here's a million dollars, you're like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, for the rest of our days, you know. And we will praise you for the rest of our day. Remember that song? Okay. So look, we're like, yes, because why? We're in problems. It's easy. It's easy when stuff. But no, Paul was advancing. He was advancing in this religion. He was, he was doing well in this moment. And this is when. It's this, at this point. It was at this point that Jesus shows up and knocks him off his horse. Can I give you point number one? Here it is. There are three things that I want you to know that will assist you in not winging it. Come on. Here it is. First one is God's, revel God's revelations are often inconvenient, but are always purposeful. When Clara started with the daddy, it was inconvenient. I was getting ready to go to bed. It was messing up my schedule. And when things are off, things are, are off. And so in that moment, it was inconvenient. I want you to understand this. It was inconvenient. The apostle Paul, he was advancing in Judaism. 
He was doing well. He was excelling beyond those who, so he was doing well. And there are many of you, I don't know what it is or where it is in your life, but I want to let you know that the revelations and the things that God, that God will tell us to do. In other words, how God reveals himself to us as he's revealed himself to Paul that put a call on our lives or challenge where we're at to take us to another place. It often will challenge our comfort. You need to understand the Apostle Paul's testimony. I want you to write it down. Philippians chapter 3, verse 2 through 10. The Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 3, verse, uh, it, which is a book just a little bit further ahead. You can keep your finger in Galatians. Philippians chapter 3, and I want to look at verses 2 through 10. Look at what the Apostle Paul says about himself. The Bible says, Look out for the dogs. He's talking again about these freedom thieves here in another passage at the church of Philippi. And he says, look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision. I don't have the time to get into unpacking the richness of this text. Who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Remember, it's by grace of God that we are saved, not by what we do in the flesh. Verse 4, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. Also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Look, look at how he talks about this is his testimony in another place about how good he was doing in Judaism. Says he was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Look, he's, he's, he's excited about his lineage and his genealogy. Here it is. It says, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as of the law, a Pharisee. In other words, he was a strict observer of the law. And he says, he goes on, he says, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, peep it right here, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss, for the sake of Christ. Look, look, look. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surprising worth of knowledge. Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. And in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So the apostle Paul says, look at all of my accolades. Look at all the stuff that I have attained. Income, even though these things are great, if there's anyone who has a right to boast, it's me. But he says, in comparison to the death, the burial, and the resurrection, the good news, the euangelion, which means the good news about Jesus. Come on, somebody. He says, nothing that I've done is in comparison to what it is that God has done for me and what he has called me to through trust and faith in his finished work of the cross. And look, he says, I count it as rubbish. And he goes on, and you need to understand the extent of this when he says that he counts it as rubbish. He's making it clear. He's saying that this is the word in the Greek, skubalon. Everybody say skubalon. And skubalon is the equivalent of bullcrap. 
It's rubbish, but it's saying, he's saying ultimately as it's the same category as animal feces. He's saying all of his works. Some of y'all like, did he just say that? Yeah, I said it. It's, he's saying my, the things that I put confidence in, the stuff that, that I did in comparison to the greatness of God and the call that God has on my life, they are rubbish. How many of you know that when it is that God calls you, even if it is in a place of inconvenience, how many of you know that what he has for you on the other side, even if it's challenging, come on somebody, that it's always going to be greater than anything that you could achieve on your own? Come on. I don't know who I came to talk to today. You might be in the middle of some things working in your life, but you know and you sense it might have been through a dream. It might have been through some challenging situation. It might have been through some health scares that God is in the place where he's trying to call you deeper, where he's trying to call you higher. And you're in a place where you are unwilling to make moves because of your comfort. How many of you know that comfortability, this one's for free, is often the arch enemy of profitability? Comfortability is often the arch enemy of profitability. For many of us, you're not productive. You're not bringing anything forward just because you are in a place where your comfort has become your idol. Ah, man, your comfort has become your idolatry and you're in a place right now where there are things that are comfortable to you and God is trying to get you up out of your comfort zone so that he can do what he's called you to do with you and through you. Come on, there are generations that are attached, I can't stress it enough, to your obedience. There are generations that are attached to your yes. You know that the reason why we know Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, that for by grace are we saved through faith? It's not of works. It's the gift of God. Lest any man should boast. Did you, do you know why we know about righteousness? By faith and that we as Gentiles or people who are not Jewish individuals that we can put trust and faith in Christ and have salvation. You want to know why? It's because the apostle Paul thought more about you and I than his comfort when he, where he was excelling. And he wrote that to us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. You got to get to the place where you think beyond your comfort. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it might mess up your plans. But you got to get to the place where you say, God, I care more about destiny than my plans. Come on. I care a lot more about the future that you have for me than the stuff that I'm comfortable with. Because sometimes it's going to be inconvenient. But you know... That it's going to be in a place where God, it's purposeful. God's desire is to show you things. There's a story, write it down in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 through 19. The story of Abraham. And Abraham, God tells him after he has a miraculous son. God tells him in that moment, I want you to go and sacrifice your son. What type of waste instruction is that, fam? What do you mean going and, and, and sacrifice your son? Are you? And he's like, okay. And he gets up and he takes his son, the thing that was working, the thing that was miraculous, and he obeys God because he knows that even though it sounds crazy and even though it might be inconvenient, that there's something greater that God must have planned 
for this moment. So Abraham goes and he takes his son as crazy as that looks and goes upon the mountain. His son even falls in line and follows with what's going on. And then when he get up there and he gets ready in that moment where his son was stridden and he was following out these commands, God stays, God ends up sending an angel that tells him stop and hinders him from killing his son because in that moment, God was not trying to get him to kill his son. Watch this. First of all, God was showing him a picture of the gospel that was to come. He was showing him about the fact that Abraham wouldn't be killing his son, but that one day God, the father, come on, would sacrifice his son for the sins of mankind. Somebody ought to be excited about that. It was a picture of the gospel. He also causes a ram to come in the bush. This is actually the story where the whole concept of a ram in the bush, that's where this showed up. There's so many things we say that actually originate in the scriptures. And he causes this animal to be in the bush, which he ends up using as a sacrifice. Come on. Which was making it clear. And this is where, and then he declares that God declares there that he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Uh, this is where we get the revelation of Jehovah, that God is Jehovah Jireh. We wouldn't even have that name for God until it was revealed through that sacrificial, inconvenient moment that happened in the life of Abraham. We run around talking about Jehovah Jireh. And we sing this and we talk about he's Jehovah Jireh. But the reason why we know is because of someone else had to get inconvenient in a moment. Come on. And God revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh in that moment. And not only this, that, that during that time, you, can I just teach for just two seconds? What? Look, look. It was normalcy for people to practice human sacrifice, to appease the gods. And Abraham was coming from a land called Ur, worshiping planets and all of this stuff. And it was in his, it was not out of the ordinary for his people because he had just had an encounter where God revealed himself to him. It was not out of the ordinary for people to practice human sacrifice to earn the approval of God. So not only is the gospel preached, and not only do we learn that God is Jehovah Jireh, but also we learn that we no longer, by him staying his hand, we no longer have to sacrifice or work or do things to earn the favor of God. Oh, this is so exciting. I wonder if there's anybody but gets it. He says, you know what? You don't have to sacrifice anything or anyone. It's so reckless, isn't it? That's what I mean so much when we sing it. There's reckless love that we get through trust and faith in Christ. We do not have to earn. So all of that, isn't that experience so potent? That all came out of somebody saying yes to the Lord in an inconvenient situation. Who's it? What is it that's waiting on the other side? What lessons does God have to reveal through you and through your uncomfortability? That may be for a moment, but has greater reward in the end. When God calls you and puts you in a place that may be, that may be in this position, it, it's usually with the purpose of teaching you and revealing himself to us in a deeper way as he did to Paul on that Damascus road, but also to be able to, to, to show those of us who are around what it is that he does. Oh, I just feel destiny in this house right here. I just feel, does anybody sense faith in this place? I believe that someone, you've been wondering, you're saying this sacrifices that I've been making, this incomfortability that I have been experiencing, and you're like, man, what is it for? And I'm here to tell you, I just declare it, and I believe it, that the generations that are coming after you, they will know about the faithfulness of God. And somebody ought to receive that in this moment. I'm prophesying, the generations after you, come on, they will see it, and they will know that God God is faithful because 
you say yes in a moment of uncomfortability. Here it is, here it is. As we go on, you know, the fact is that Paul's call was not popular. Everybody up to that point, they only hung out with Jewish people. And we find out that, you know, through the apostle Peter, who ends up having an encounter in Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius, a guy named who Cornelius, who was from the Italian band. And he is not a Jew. And God tells Peter that he needs to go and he needs to tell him about the gospel. And, and Cornelius and his whole household get saved. This is out of the ordinary because up to that point, they had only believed that God was going to save Jews, even though Jesus told them in John chapter 10 that I have sheep that are not of this fold. And he was prophesying to them that there were people who were not in their immediate circle who were going to come to know Christ and that were going to be a part of him. He said he's going to call them. And this especially, we believe, was speaking about the Gentiles or those who were non-Jews. And so Peter has this revelation and this happens. But then the apostle Paul, he has a call where God especially puts the assignment on him for him to be able to reach Gentile people or people who were non-Jews. And so this was not popular. It was not popular. How many of you know that the call that God often puts on our lives is not popular? Is it the, the, the thing that God has for you to do? I just feel this so strong in my spirit to let someone know today that it might cause you to be unpopular. But how many of you know that the fruit that comes from being unpopular at times when you are following what God has called you to do, that it will cause you to get into a place of favor that is greater than any pat on the back? And watch this. When God called us to plant Serve City Church, you know, and I, I look back and I'm like, man, the call that God put on our lives, it was not popular. You know, our heart and our hope was to reach people who were far from God, people who would never darken the doorway of a church building, people who usually don't come to church, kind of a church for the rest of us. And that's why we say no perfect people allowed. And it's amazing to me week after week, you know, because People, they don't understand this. They're like, y'all aren't churchy enough. You know, there's not enough people rolling on the floor. There's not enough people swinging from chandeliers. Pastor, you don't have the Holy Ghost because you don't speak in tongues. Fool, yes, I do. Just because you don't hear me on a Sunday morning doesn't mean that I don't speak in tongues. I'm more like the Apostle Paul who said, I speak in tongues more than all y'all. But when I'm in a company of individuals where there may be unbelievers, I'm not going to speak in tongues because I don't want to be a barbarian unto them. Y'all don't want it. See, people don't like the Bible no more. They don't like it. They don't like it. And so folks is judging and saying, oh, you don't have the Holy Ghost and you don't do this and all this and whatever. I'm like, listen, fam. When I look at all God has done last week, I talked with someone who hasn't been in church for 20 years. And they came to church and said, how great of an experience. I'm not going to start calling names. I met with someone this week who said they were out of church for nine years. And them coming through the doors and experiencing this welcome home culture and the no perfect people allowed that they have now been back, gotten back into church. Come on, somebody. This is what, this is why we do what we do. There have been 42 people who have been saved this year. Oh, y'all ought to be excited about it, Surf City. In this place, because we decided to do something that may be unpopular.
God is continuing to grow our church family. And you know, even in favor, the Lord has blessed us to where, look, y'all are sitting in our own permanent facility. Come on. Just after two years of existence, somebody ought to be excited other than me about this. The fact of the matter is that God is blessing and the fruit is sure. And yes, it may be lonely sometimes. Yes, it may be unpopular. Yes, it may not be the coolest thing around. But at the end of the day, the fruit and your lives being impacted and changed for God's glory makes it all worth it to me. Somebody ought to give the Lord some praise and lift a shout in this. Woo. And so moving on, watch this. It's inconvenient. It's not popular. When Paul, is it, is it, is it convenient to get knocked off your horse? Is it, is it convenient to get in a car crash while you're driving? Is it convenient to just have a random sickness pop up when everything was going okay? And so here, there's this inconvenience, this dream or this thing. Now, he's re it's revealed to him while he's on his way, excelling. And watch this. Here it is, point number two. I want to give it to you. Point number two. We can't dictate God's revelation, but we can determine our response so look i don't know how and when god is going to reign when god is going to reveal himself we don't know this because god is sovereign and there's some of you that think you can manipulate god by how much you give or how much you come to church or by how much all of these things are not going to manipulate god and his timing he is outside of time come on and his decisions are greater than our thoughts. The Bible says his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And so the way and when he reveals himself to us is up to him. And so we can't dictate that. But we can dictate our response. So what do you do when he reveals himself to you? There are some of you who've been being called to come and join and be a part of this church and your laziness and your comfortability has kept you in that pew when God has placed something in you that is life-changing, earth-shattering, and eternity-changing for somebody else and that you are in this place and I'm not trying to manipulate you into doing anything. I'm trying to call you into what it is that God's called you to. Amen. And you hear about next steps and you hear about all these things and oftentimes you hear it and it makes sense and you have the aha, but you're like, okay, you don't do nothing with it. The people who make the most impact in life, in this life, are those who are ones that get up and that respond in a favorable, ma favorable manner to the revelation that God will send our way. How many of you know this? There's peace and prosperity. Here's another free one. This isn't a point. There's peace and prosperity in purpose but persecution in procrastination. There's peace and prosperity in purpose, but persecution in procrastination. And see, this is the thing about procrastination, and I'm not saying you won't be persecuted after you follow purpose or what God has told you to do and what he reveals to you, but I'm saying that, watch this, there is procrastination gives the illusion of peace. That when I procrastinate, it makes me feel like I have peace because I'm in a place of comfort. But how many of you know that's a sham? You know, like those, those pillowcases that you have, uh, that my mom calls it, I don't know if you guys call them shams. But they're shams. They're not actually pillows that you're supposed to lie on. How many of you know about the plastic on the couches? 
Amen, somebody. But all these are shams. They're for show. Come on, somebody. Ah, they're not the actual thing. The, the sham pillowcase is not something that you're actually supposed to lie down on. And there are many of you, you've been lying down on the sham, the, the peace sham, come on, that comes through procrastination. Oh, if I just lie here a little bit longer, then I'll be okay. I came to burst some bubbles and to poop some parties because God has something greater for you than beyond the sham that you have been giving into. He has something greater than that sham. And you and I oftentimes miss it and don't experience what he has because of our response. Paul's response could have been different. He didn't have to say yes. You know, many of us, because we think, because God knocked him off the horse and because God blinded him and put scales over his eyes and took him through that experience, how many of you know that even after that, he still could have said no? Because it was inconvenient. He still could have been like, no, I'm not going to do it. And gone in the other direction. Remember Jonah? Jonah got clear revelation from the Lord. And it was inconvenient for Jonah because it was against what he wanted. He didn't want God to show, he didn't want God to show mercy to Nineveh. Remember Pastor Jonathan shared with us a few weeks ago, he didn't want God to show mercy to Nineveh. It was inconvenient. And in that moment, God tells him what to do. What does he do? He gets in the boat and he heads in the other direction. And guess what? God is still so merciful that he's willing to send a fish even after you jacked up. Oh man, there's someone who you're on round two of revelation. Oh my, for some of us, we're on round 10 of revelation. But aren't you glad that God won't just stop at one, but because he wants to see you in a place where you accomplish everything that he's called you to do. We serve a God that we know that as long as there's life, there's hope. Come on, somebody. And while there's blood, while the blood is still running warm in your veins and you have readiness of mind, you ought to say yes to what it is that God has called you to. And going on, you know, this is it. We don't choose when God reveals himself. You know, and so this is it. And I got one more point and we're done. But I want you to understand this. You should not, you know, because many of us, you think this is the reason why. And I want you to look at this. I want to look at Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs is in the first half of the Bible. For those who are new to Bible, Proverbs chapter 3. Glory to God. And uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. I want you to understand this because there's some of you who are in a position where you're like, well, if God is sovereign and if God has chosen me and he reveals to me salvation, there's some of you that have this extreme position that just because Jesus chooses me to be saved and all of this wonderful stuff, that beyond this, that I am to a place now where everything is just predestined and so I don't have to do anything and I don't, shouldn't make any choices because when I'm going to die, I'm going to die. The Bible says that, the Bible says that it's a, there's an appointed time for everyone to die. No, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible actually says it's appointed once for everyone to die and then the judgment. In other words, it's just preaching Paul through the book of Hebrews, which I don't have time to get into. He's saying that at some point in your life, you're going to die. But he's not saying that on this date, that this is the day that God is going to be like, you're done. That's not the purpose. Watch this. Because then scriptures, like what we're looking at on, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 and onward, would not exist. Watch it. Are you there? And it's going to be on the screens for you. Proverbs chapter 3. This is why you should not wing it. This is why. This is why. My son, do not forget my teaching. 
Here's this revelation, this knowledge, this stuff that he gives us. But let your heart keep my commandments or my words. And what does it say for verse 2? For length of days. Are you seeing this? And years of life and peace they will add. They'll do what? They will add to you. Oh my, that's good stuff right there. So he's making it clear that what you do with the revelation and the word that God gives to you and reveals to you, what you do with it can add length of days to your life and it can add peace to you, these things. But if you go against what God has called you to, the fact is that many of you, you are choosing death over life in your life. You are choosing, you are choosing an illusion over the reality of what God has for you. That's why you'll go through scripture and see that it will talk about things that will shorten your days. And so you can determine this. Watch. Yes, God is sovereign, but he has given you grace not so you can be stagnant. He's given you and I grace because he wants us to respond to the revelation that he's given us in a favorable manner so that not only can we be blessed, but those who are around us can be blessed. This is why Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Hear me. But on the law or the word of God, does he meditate day and night? Watch this person here. You see this person? That person shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water who will bring forth fruit in his season. His leaf, here's protection and security, will not wither. And whatever he does... Am I making this stuff up? This Psalm 1. Whatever he does will prosper. When you're planted in the word of the Lord and you're meditating on this thing. All right, this is, that's the most important thing. Some of y'all, why are you memorizing scripture? Because I want it in me. Come on, somebody. I want it in me. I want to live a life that is profitable. I want to live a life that's prosperous. And it might not look like what prosperity is declared as being in this world. Oh my God, in this world today. But when you get the word of God deep down in you, come on, somebody. It will cause you in your season to be prosperous. It will cause you to be in a place of protection it will cause you to be able to be in a place where you are where you are walking out what God has for you and then he goes on and says the wicked are not like that they are like the chaff which the wind drives away so look so look it's not you you choose you choose how you respond you're, you're hearing me this is why Jesus said he who has an ear to hear let him hear are you, are you hearing? If you're hearing what's being said, you and I are called to respond by putting these things to practice. Here we go. Last point for you. Can I give you the last point? Number three, God's revelation is not just about information. We'll be on the screens for you. It's about transformation. Here it is. God's revelation isn't just about information. It's about transformation. Look, I'm not telling you this and God doesn't give us his word. He didn't reveal the things that he did to Paul with the purpose of him getting just getting head knowledge. There are many people within the body of Christ that they're excited about the fact that they know scripture or that it's something that is in their heads. But how many of you know that God has not called us just to have information? 
He's not called us to just know about it, but he's called us to be to a place where we experience transformation through walking out what he has revealed. You know, how many of you, if you're a parent in here, you know how often your kids may be like, you know, when you ask them, did you go and do what I said? I know. You ever heard that before? I know. Well, if you know, then why didn't you do it? I mean, did you hear me say to go take out the garbage? I know, mom. Well, that would have got me lashes anyway. Uh, Just that tone of voice, by the way. But aside from that, but if you know, then why aren't you doing something? God's desire isn't for you just to know. This is why James 1.22 says that God's call is not just for us to be hearers of the word, but to be doers. Can I give you one last story and we're out? Look, John chapter 21, that was the last point. God's revelation is not just about information, but it's about transformation. The book of John, which is in the second half of the Bible. Here we go. John chapter 21, verse 1 through 6. And the Bible makes it clear here. This is after Jesus had risen from the dead. I want you to understand the power in walking out what it is that God has called you to. I use the example of the woman with the issue of blood and how what she was seeking 12 years for deliverance, paying all sorts of resources, and one moment of touching the hem of Jesus' garment because she heard about the fact that the Messiah was coming who was a healer. And that one moment transformed her life. Peep this, fam. John 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself. There's revelation. Revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Are you still with me? They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Everybody say nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they've been fishing on the left side of the boat all night and nothing has happened as they've been fishing on the left side of the boat. And Jesus shows up and says to them, instead of fishing on that side, fish on the other side and watch what's going to happen. Look at here. And the Bible says, so they cast it. They could have said, Jesus, are you serious? Why would you be telling me to do that? You think it's as simple as that, Jesus? Because, you know, some of us were know-it-alls, right? Because we know more than Jesus. You think simply just flipping the net from this side and going on to this side? You think simply tithing Jesus is going to open? You know, you know how much generosity I've done and how many homeless people I've helped at the side of the road? You simply think tithing is going to make a change in my life? You simply think becoming a servant and serving at church and living my life for someone other than myself is going to make a difference? You simply think that, Jesus? You really think that all of it, we think we know more than Jesus. Look at what happens. Bible says, so they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. In that moment, they followed Jesus' instructions. 
And as a result of them following Jesus' instructions, they had so much that the net was breaking all by following his instructions to do something as simple as cast the net, start fishing on the other side of the boat. Oh my, I hope somebody's catching this revelation today. Where are you winging it in life? Where are you going after your own way and doing things your way and expecting God leave results? Where are you in a position where you are responding in a negative manner to what it is that God has been telling you and how he's been revealing himself to you? I believe that there's breakthrough in the house for somebody today. And there's freedom in your life that will be attached to you trusting in God's plan. And trusting in the fact that he's not winging it. And being in a place where you make the decision to follow what it is that he has revealed to you.